So, <clears throat> question time. Um, <clears throat> I have sometimes difficulties in hearing well through the. So I'm going to ask you to, when you speak on the, in the microphone, to speak with um, not to right next to you is like this because it became quite blurred for me or if you're too far then I can't hear very well either so if you can just put it at a distance where the words remain distinct yeah that would be very helpful for me and maybe I might if I don't understand I might ask you to come forward in fact I would like to the people are in the in the back please come forward and join the front row as much as you can that would be really helpful for the question answer session yeah there's quite a number of chairs that are free here, as well as um, mats. You can sit on the mats. Yeah, don't be shy. It's okay. There's two on the front here, if you want. And you won't have to travel travel so far. So, <clears throat> if you want to ask a question, you'll have a microphone. Microphone will be brought to you, and uh, and you can speak in the microphone. And I, I just repeat for those who are not here: when you hold the microphone, don't hold it too close to you, okay, or too far, just somewhere in the middle. It's about maybe two inches, yeah, away from. Okay, so please. You can start any time. Um, when you have a question for the <clears throat> the nun who is carrying the microphone to you, please. Put your hand up a little bit so she can see. She could not see from the floor so, so well. Um, I have a, can you hear me? Yes. All right, good. I have a question, a general question about Buddhism. Um, I'm told it's a philosophy and not a religion. But to a non-Buddhist like myself, it appears that people are praying, praying to Lord Buddha, and mm. I cannot understand Stand the difference in this case between the philosophy and the religion because it looks like a religion to me, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. What makes you think that philosophers don't pray? Eh? What makes you think that philosophers do not pray? Um, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's just that... People have said oh, it's not a religion. I've heard this, the statement, it's not a religion, it's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the difference, yeah. really, in this case. It's well, people have struggled with definition of Buddhism, you know. Is it a philosophy? Is it a religion? Is it psychology? Is it, what is it, self-improvement? Whatever. So many ways of describing the teaching of the Buddha. You know, <clears throat> religion 
the, the, Buddhist, the Buddhist teaching does, is not called a religion. You know, sasana. What is sasana in Pali? So, Buddhism is in Pali. The, 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 the definition will be just training. It's a training. And it's so nice to be reminded of that because for me, it, more and more, I see it as a training. You know, at first, when you are a part of a culture where you are used to or encouraged or even trained to do whatever you want when you want it and just follow your bliss, you know, the famous, um, those famous sentence, you know, from America. And it seems so good, just do what you want. Why people were so, you know, so restrained in their, in their views on things, or maybe there were so many kind of uh, uh, narrow-minded kind of ideas and ideals, and uh, uh, a lack of uh, a lack of tolerance, you know, towards other people. At some some point, there was this to just throw everything out of the window and just do what you want, you know, movements. So Buddhism can be anything you want, really. But it's, you know, it's, we don't pray when we are in a temple. It's not a, a pass where you, do a prayer is, a, is, a, is, a, is something you do. We, meditation is a, the heart of the path of practice, the path of the Buddha, right? And meditation is just um, the art of seeing, the art of knowing yourself, knowing the mind, knowing the nature of reality of your mind and body, and you can extend that to other things, yeah. So, and so, so it's an exploration, you know, training to explore this reality. Could I call it a discipline? Uh, very good. Yeah. Why not? Discipline. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank training you. discipline. Thank you very much. Whatever you. Yeah. But training is a good word because you, the discipline has maybe a sense of you do this, and if you don't do this, you're wrong. You know, you have to do it this way, the only way, almost. But training is more like you can try, you know, try your errors. You know, you get it right, you get it wrong. You learn from just moving along as you go and as you know things more deeply. Yeah? Yeah. A bit more spacious and disciplined. But definitely this training needs an intense discipline. Mm, thank you. They go together. Thank you very much. If you want to sit down, you can sit down in the front. Oh, okay. Um, compassion can make you want to act to make something fairer or more just or kinder for somebody. Um, but very often in this world, when we try and act in that sort of way, we can come up against obstacles that can lead to more negative emotions. So, you know, for example, you want to make the world a fairer place and you, you come up against the system or politicians and, and you can start to get angry inside yourself. And your reference earlier to angry people in the peace movement <laughs> um, is something I've seen in other um, organizations as well. So you also referred earlier to finding the balance between compassion and, and um, wisdom. wisdom. Could you just elaborate on that a little bit more? How do, you, how do we be careful out of good intentions to do something kind? We don't run into that negative territory 
of anger and frustration and resentment? Well, first of all, if you don't want to run in your ruts of anger and frustration and resentment, you have to make peace with the fact that this is what your mind is filled at that moment. You have to make peace and know what these states of mind are for what they are. You know, they can, they're just emotions. They're just reaction, reactive, reactive emotion. They are just, uh, you know, simple reactivity to the, of, the, of, the, of the mind, you know. And they are, uh, probably they could be defined in many different ways, you know. But those emotions arise as out of reaction. I just repeat it, repeat it you know. So if you see something that you like, the reaction will be happiness, you know, satisfaction, and, you know, love or whatever, yeah? And so our, the, you can see it as a mind just reacting in, in an emotional way to something. And as a you know, Buddhist practice goes, uh, we, we do have some perspective on the, the world of emotions as not being the total reality of, of our life. You know, it's just like a cloud that is informing you, you know, a state of mind or a, a con conglomeration of, you know, a memory, uh, you know, old hurt, whatever memory of pain, you know, when you see people starving before and you see something, the politician is not really happy to help a program of non-starvation or something, that can be very upset. If you never heard of it, maybe you say, oh, maybe I don't know what it is about. Maybe it must have this good reason for not doing that. You know, you could be more tolerant, maybe. Yeah? So one of the things, uh, we, we go through this, even in, in a monastic life, you know, the thing we don't like. Every day there's so many things we don't like, isn't it? You know, when people tell me, what is Buddhism? Just don't worry, just sit here and find out, you know, well, how many times your mind said, I don't like that, I want that many. That's the first noble truth, you know, the first noble truth of Buddhism is uh, dukkha. You know, difficult to bear, that which is difficult to bear, that which is, um, you know, painful, that which is, um, you know, um, suffering and so on. So, um, I think, to me, the only thing that has worked for me is to understand, first of all, my mind, this mind. Because once I understand this mind, then I'm much more compassionate with everybody else's mind. Do you understand? If my mind is as foolish and stupid as I can see, why don't I let other people to be foolish and stupid, just like the way I've seen my mind? You know? Okay, so that's the first step, to make peace with that, you know, to not kind of straight away go to into a proactive attack, you know. And again, you, you can use it as a, you know, reflective. You know, people do things in a way, if you've, now that's what I say to people, people start, when I hear people say, oh, you know, I would like to be more creative and I would like to do this. I say, why don't you do it? You know, go for it. How many years are you going to think about it? If you really want to do it, do it. But don't expect the whole world to do it with you. You understand? Or to understand you even. You know, always people will be coming to criticize you, you know. You can see that in politics. I mean, look at that. And all over the world. What's going on even now? Sense of big power, central power in so many countries now. Democracy is kind of going down the drain in many countries. 
right? Don't you agree? So, we're changing. Nietzsche is striking. Now, people are fed up with democracy and they want autocracy, some of them. <laughs> they want a king. We have, in England, you have the choice. Well, not choice, but you have a queen and a prime minister, you know. In France, we just have a president. Nobody to remind us to be polite and kind. <laughs> like the queen and, and proper. I'm proper. So all the memory we have is the French revolutions, you know, so they all. One of the book, one of the book in France before Macron was elected, that went, I mean, by a very famous man, that went absolutely top of the chart for weeks, was called Les Indignés. You know the word indignation? So Les Indignés, like, what? You know, you know what a person who is indigné is like? And indignated. Does that work in English? Yeah. Indignant. The indignant, top of the chart for three weeks, for for a long, long time, just just complain and fight and go to war and revolutions, you know, as much as you can. And it had such it was such a hit in France. It'd be such a bad behavior in England, you know. Where you all calm, you know. That indignation is so misled, you know, in public, especially. When you say that, I know, you know, it's only a narrow bound of reality. <laughs> sure, there's plenty of indignant people in England. <laughs> so I just have to go to the House of Lords, isn't it? Huh? Uh -huh. House of Lords? <laughs> they seem to have fun in being indignant, indignant don't they? Yeah. It's a kind of release when you look at them and say, oh gosh, it's really nice. The British do have a way of being really rude to each other, publicly and loud. <laughs> Or isosorized, in other words. It's a game, isn't it? So, just to go back, that's your, we're still, no, we're still on your question, that's right. So, um, I understand, I mean, your question, many people ask such a question, you know. And my first, I can only share with you what works for me. I have too much knowledge of the mind, you could say, to expect anything from the world. Nothing, nothing surprises me. You know, the mind is a very treacherous world. It lies. It's, uh, it, it cheats. It, you know, it deforms the reality. It, it has incredible skills to lie. In fact, I gave a whole talk on my sweet liar, you know. Because it lies very sweetly. You can't discover it so easily. It takes years sometimes. I used to say, to discover my anger, I was never angry, I was just right. <laughs> it's hard to discover anger, isn't it? I'm just right. And I'm not joking, you know, it's like, you, when suddenly you have, you know, and you're right politely, but still, you know, I don't suffer from anger, of course, no. She just wrong, I'm right. That's all. Simple facts. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Nothing to say anymore. So, any more questions?
That's enough for you? Ajahn Sundari, thank you for a great talk. Um, could you talk a little bit about compassion to yourself and compassion to others? Because sometimes these two come up at the same time and I tend to lose in that equation. So um, the wisdom to choose in the right place. To be compassionate to yourself or to others? Both, hopefully. Both, yeah. Well, it's a good question because, again, many people have experienced what's behind this question, you know. So, for example, me, the example of me having, you know, spreading compassion to the whole laundry room at Chetters, you know, and being attacked in one corner, it wasn't the right time to do, you know. I should have been more mindful. Talking about wisdom, I should have checked, is there anybody here, you know, that I might mistreat if I spread compassion without awareness? <laughs> I didn't think of that. I was just like, you know, upset, you know, with my my uh, broom and my stuff, you know. And uh, so there's no, t you know, any time is good for compassion. You know, don't, don't worry about the time, the situation. But you just have to be careful with yourself. You can have fun, you know. It's like with yourself. As soon as Achen Sumedho will talk about compassion and meta, I will start having wave of rage in myself. You know, so that did not work. And it did not work for him as, as well, which is a relief. He had the same kind of mind, you know. So you have a mantra, may I be well with that. You know, I couldn't do this at all. As soon as I say that, all my thought struggled, you know, rebelled, in fact. I don't want that. So that came because I was still very attached to my thinking. When I stopped being so attached to my thoughts, then they were free to come and go. I, didn't, I was not bound by my thinking, you know. I could think what I wanted. May you be an idiot, may you be stupid. But it was empty, you know. It's just a game. I didn't have any energy to it. I, that's what I mean. When you practice, you take away the fuel of your experience, you know, with mindfulness, your attachment, which is a fuel of that experience. So you can develop with, towards yourself the, my many years of developing compassion for myself was just making peace with what I dislike about myself, you know. So, a lot of the time, making peace with any things that will be covered but through the umbrella of anger, you know, whether it's a very mild irritation or negativity of any kind and so on, I will learn to use mindfulness to bring peace, to bring clarity, to bring um, the, the cessation, yeah, that brings a stop, the fuel of that experience. You know, it's a stop fueling the desire of that experience. So mindfulness is a way of stopping, you know, stopping to fuel the energy that keeps creating the same old patterns. Yeah? And so from that, afterwards, um, I remember I... Um, I don't know if I want to tell this story in front of so many people, but it was, um, uh, you know, Ajahn Sachito was our senior nun at some point for a few years, you know. And I had, uh, it wasn't easy for me because it was so different. I could not understand him at all. And uh, anyway, but he was a very good practitioner, you know. 
So at some point, I was doing a practice, you know, that Ashin Samido had taught us, which I'll tell you in private. And I was um, kind of going through this kind of mantra in myself, you know, you know, and uh, to make everything conscious. And then at some point he comes, you know, he was walking towards me and he said, you know, Ashin Samido, Sister Samido, those days, I mean, yeah, Sister Samido, I think this year for the Vasa, you know, I don't think you, you know, don't you don't don't bother with cheese and chocolate, you know, abandoning that, you know, not not having that. Why don't you practice metta? You see, how the connection of me finding out how I could have more peace with Ajahn Satito, more metta. He suddenly said to me, "How can you practice metta?" But being, uh, you know, appreciating enormously as a training and being in training and being really guided by somebody else, you know, um, uh, I decided to do it for three months. But the idea of turning into a sort of sweet-looking pink-cheeks nun, you know, was abhorrent for me, uh, because I had this identification with more zen, you know, more zen and straight and sort of, you know, no-nonsense kind of thing. Now things have changed, you know, softened quite a bit, but in those days I just didn't want any of that dilly-dallying Englishness, you know. So I couldn't bear it, you know. So I I kind of, uh, I thought, I, I you know, I felt very tortured. How am I going to spend three months without killing somebody, you know? Because if I push too much into the meta, I probably the murderous thought are going to kind of come up and pop their head up and maybe drive me to something really unskillful, you know? Of course, he wouldn't, you know, but just that was my thought. My Mara mind, you know, was telling me this. Of course, I have more than Mara to guide me, even in those days, you know? So I was listening to those thoughts coming. And if I hadn't been practicing meditation, I would have been frightened. You know, so, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm just going to well, I'm just carry on this chocolate and cheese and all that sort of thing. I'm not going to do what he asked me to do. But in the end, my wisdom helped me. You know, the wisdom helped me. And I heard these little uh, words, you know, how I can say maybe I can bear it. I can bear it. I don't know where it came out from. I have no idea. But that, and suddenly, I trusted this thought for some reason again. And uh, I... Um, I said, how am I going to do that, you know? And I didn't have to think much, you know. Uh, immediately, you knew that you can bear. It was clear for me. It's more difficult to explain. It's that you need meta when you don't feel well, perhaps, you know, when you feel angry, upset, miserable, you know, your empathy of meta. But sometimes, so for me, when I can bear it, is that anything that I can't bear will make me unhappy, you know? So I think it came, I can bear that. I can bear the unhappiness of that moment when I don't get what I want or I don't like what I like, what I want, you know. And interestingly enough, during the three months, instead of having, you know, developing more metta, more loving kindness, more compassion, I began to have an experience of feeling a lot of feeling in my body, really unpleasant feeling, a lot of irritation and unpleasant feeling. But I just had a sense what it was. It's like an incense, you know, you don't, you can't explain to people these things. Suddenly I felt stuff was surfacing. It's like s stuff maybe of anger was coming up to the surface. But I don't like this kind of psychological jargon for these things because it's too, more mysterious. We don't know how these things come up. And I was feeling this kind of rising of sensation that were unpleasant. So it was good at, I said, this, I can bear it came to me, because then I did, I can't bear it. I can't. And by the end of three months, interestingly enough, I hadn't turned into a pinch cheeks, happy nun, but I had lost a lot of anger. It was amazing, you know. 
So that was one of my little kind of wisdom ride, you know, with I can bear it. Otherwise, that's the most important thing, to be able to say, I can. in fact, some of the sisters, the Anagarika during the retreat, uh, they, they, some of them used it and find it helpful. But um, you, you can try, you know, when it's difficult, you just gently to your mind. It's always good to speak gently to the heart. That's, I don't know where the heart is, what the heart is, but it's obviously a sensitive realm of existence. I have no idea where, what is it. But you speak because it's a very gentle part of yourself. You know, it's very open and very uh, vulnerable in a way part. You know, it's like trusting heart. Yeah? And so you speak gently, you know, I can bear it. I can bear it. It's like, I can bear it, you know. Stop it. You idiot. You know. I haven't told you I took an yeah, took I took a vow, don't you know? When are you going to hear me for the you know, I mean have this kind of language. I mean, I'm just making fun of it, you know, but, you know, just gently. You don't talk to anybody about it either because people will laugh at you if you do. They don't know what it is. People don't know what you're practicing with and they don't understand necessarily. Do you understand? It's very important to keep those practices quiet, you know, to necessarily, instead of saying, well, you know, I've practiced for the last three months meta meditation, you know. Don't you see it? Heartfelt sitting, you know. Do you know, it's like, don't say it. You are a target for, you know, for being made fun of. If you can, if you don't mind being made fun of, it's fine. You're strong enough. But if you're not sure, don't tempt it, you know. We have enough of trouble with our life normal, you know, in a normal sense. You know, so. And then with others, well, that realization that people were the most irritating thing in the world brought to me, the, opened the door to meta towards people. You know, we, this is the paradoxes. So first of all, there are many ways you can also think about what these people. What we meta to me is when I think about their, um, I put myself in their shoes. Okay. What is it? Why they, I came to, you know, I came to the conclusion that when people are, are happy and well in themselves, they usually will manifest loving kindness and metta, right? And at some point, I thought to myself, if pe when people are not kind to you or not, you know, not gentle or kind or loving, or so, they're usually not feeling well. They're not well. We don't know what happened in their life in the morning. Maybe the trouble. Maybe you know. And the same in community. When people are well in themselves, they're always happy with you and, and generous and kind. You know. And it takes a mature person to feel unhappy, but not start projecting it onto others, you know. Or, you know, projecting all kinds of things. So their unhappiness. Because when you are unhappy, what happens is that you tend to think the, the world becomes much more negative. And then you start tapping into the negative perception of this world. And then, because unhappiness is not choosy. Just like any emotions are not choosy. As long as they have an object to carry on, they'll be happy. So it, it will be like me after doing a Mahasi Sayado retreat at the first year at Chester, after the first year at Chitters, I remember we had a cat called George, red red haired cat, which we imagine was four loving nuns, you know. I mean he was in heaven. You understand? He was our little king. And he was in the kitchen, pat all over the place. And uh, 
you know, at breakfast, he'll be in the middle of a special one once a week. We had a special breakfast, and he was lying in the middle of us. We were kind of patting him, giving him sweet and biscuits and all that sort of thing. But he was a very loved cat, okay? And we adored him. You know, when I came back with my concentration, as soon as I entered the, 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 the you know, opened the door of the cottage of Chitters, my first perception was, George is messing up my meditation, really. You know? George is stopping to me to meditate. Like he could have I mean, me say, telling me, I'm so glad you're back, you know. Meow. He had this kind of meow like this. A bit more masculine. <laughs> he was a big chubby cat. And also he was used to, the reason we, we loved him very much is because when we used to go up to the main house at Chetterst, it would be raining and muddy and, you know, wet and everything. And at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning when we were going up to the house, you would hear, meow. And we knew it was George. And we always interpreted this as waiting for us to make sure we passed that, that, that level of the road unhurt, unharmed, you know. Just projections, you know. I'm sure George probably was waiting for a rat or something, you know, some, <laughs> some, some dreadful sort of feast waiting for him. But we always interpreted it as a very compassionate, loving, caring, kind of sort of bodyguard cat. <laughs> so, yeah, you can see how perception can be misleading. You know? you know, you're too much in concentration. Every the whole world bothers you. You know, to me, I was not focused anymore. I had to open my eyes to to George. And to the nuns, and to this, and that. Oh my God, you know, you're too much. Get out of my space. You have to be careful with your meditation like that. And that's why Achen Semedo is a, is a genius at opening the mind consciousness straight away. You know, nothing is a problem. That's my most loved mantra because it's a wisdom mantra. It's not. It's not, it's not like there is no problem or nothing is a problem. But Achen Sumedo, in the, in the way Achen Sumedo was, was sort of communicating it, he was saying, basically, uh, don't proliferate on that. Just use your wisdom. That's all. Stop your mind. Use your wisdom. Rather than going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this, you know, I've got this and that. My mother, and I can't do this. I can't do the washing up because I was traumatized because of this and that. He said, just go there and see what you do when you stop thinking like that. We have a lot of fear. A lot of our thinking has to do with fear. That's why we could we think a lot. Okay, next one. Next person. Any any other question? Martin. Ante, <laughs> uh, could you? Misuse loving kindness, metta, at, at, at any stage. For example. Oh, it's you. Yeah, it's oh, myself. It's Martin. It was going oh, to Martin. It's all right. It's all right. It's Can okay. you misuse yeah, my quick one? Uh, I think we all know the finest exponent. Two. The person who has actually publicized metta, metta in uh, the worst stage, is Dalai Lama. Yeah? You know. Dalai Lama has actually practiced. Metta and compassion at the world. Don't put the microphone in front of you because that's not so good. You're put not, it a bit down. Yeah. 
All right, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. it. Uh, Dalai Lama has been the artist, uh, the finest exponent, finest, if you like, messenger. That's right. He says for, kindness is my religion, yeah, yes. For um, practicing metta in the worst stage, not simply in you know, global politics. Can you, just that connection, can you misuse by any chance metta when you're a public person? Can you misuse it? Do you want the, do you do you want the response from Ajahn Shah? <laughs> no, I'm just asking for your view. I mean, I'm I'm not able to adjudicate. Well, Ajahn Shah said, "Too much meta makes baby." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love that. You know, <laughs> be careful. You give answer. Thank you. But yeah, what I, I, I can say more. I can say more about this. Can you, can you, Martin? Can you pass it back? I just want to say a bit more about your question. So, uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, what did you mean by misusing it? Now, can you ever misuse compassion? No, no, I know the question. I heard the question. Yeah. But what did you mean? What, 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 what was it were you referring yeah, well, to? Yeah, I can be specific, actually. There has been criticism because there, there is a, if you like, a, there's no borderline between politics and what you do as a world figure. And Dalai Lama is a world figure. He's much respected globally as a person who is compassionate, who is admired by everyone. But, the, but there have been criticisms within Tibet and outside Tibet as well that he, he hasn't actually delivered on what he tried to achieve. Now, maybe I'm, I'm actually stretching myself, but maybe I'm asking you too much. But in connection with the misuse of concept of compassion, would you say that, and you already answered the question that too, it's not right to have too much compassion. You said that quite clearly. Well, there's never too much compassion. Okay. You don't produce compassion. You know, compassion is here in this in this world. You know, so compassion is simply is simply actually being aware of the suffering of others. Okay, and everybody suffers. So if you are, uh, you know, if you're a practitioner, right, you begin to have this clear no this clear view that. The world in a state of ignorance is great suffering. And unless you are, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, completely enlightened and free, then you still suffer. So that doesn't mean you have, you know, a limb cut off or, you know, somebody chopped your, chop, chopped your, your neck or, you know, hurt you in any way. At some point you see the whole world suffer because it's in a state of ignorance. Yes? So you cannot ever misuse compassion towards that. The Buddha's compassion, the greatest com compassionate being, was the Lord Buddha who can, could have gone without leaving any teaching, you know. In fact, at the beginning of his life, you know, after being enlightened, he did, had a he did have a doubt about whether he would be able to transmit the teaching or the truth, the realization that he had had. And so, <clears throat> Thanks to Brahma Sahampati, who came down from the heaven to pray, to ask him, who prayed for him, God's prayer apparently. So he prayed the Buddha, please 
out of compassion for those with little dust in their eyes, please teach us the Dhamma. And so this is the most compassionate thing, is to be able to teach us a path, a direction, means everything we need to live a life that is intelligent, generous, kind, and everything, you know, awake and so on, and wise. So, um, you know, whether you, I don't know, if you're a crook and you think you're doing compassion, maybe it's not compassion. Maybe it's just me being charismatic so you get a good, you know, another good crook with you that can do the same kind of a job together. You know, have a lot of compassion for a bunch of crooks. You know, teach them with great compassion how to pull the trigger, right? And with great compassion how to kill two or three people so you can get the, the money. But I mean that you make them feel good and happy. You're one of us. You know, we love you. We love you. You're great. Yeah? Thank you. And, uh, you know, that doesn't... Uh... Okay, let's go. Martin. Yes, it's on a similar uh, question, but it's a much simpler question. Um, I have difficulty differentiating between metta and karuna. And is there, is there a, a firm distinction, or is there no point in trying to distinguish? Well, in, in the Buddhist teaching, is uh, defined as such. Uh, metta is like the love uh, of a mother for her child, right? Unconditioned love, almost, of a mother to her child. Uh, Moody, um, uh, Karuna is uh, more like true, the love, like the Christian love or compassion. It's translated as compassion in English. Karuna, okay? And metta is translated as loving kindness, the kindness of a mother. There's not, you know, in Thailand they use metta karuna together. They don't have, very often you see, you see them quoted together, metta karuna. You know, in the metta sutta, you have this uh, example even as a mother protects her life, her child, her only child, so should we, you know, basically um, diffuse, sort of send out meta to the whole world uh, as high as possible, down, down to the earth, down to the ground, all around and everywhere, you know. So that's, they all love, you know, uh, but for some reason they are, you know, they, they, one can speak about them in slightly different ways, which doesn't mean necessarily they're so different, you know. Yeah, I use metta and compassion, you know, for me, I, I translate in my mind often metta as compassion. And uh, it's only when I was looking again, I got ref a refresher course on Karuna is compassion. But all, our chanting book is also compassion. Yeah, are you satisfied with the answer? Yes. Thank you. Well, are we finished, supposed to finish at four o'clock? Oh my God, it's twenty. <laughs> well,
Well, my friends, I think we're going to end, huh? shall we? Yes? It's been very nice to be with all of you. And I hope you have, um, that it will be a planting seeds for your own ability to, you know, to think and teach, uh, teach yourself the, this path. And uh, hopefully the seeds will grow and uh, will come and teach you.